We here who remain in this space are going to dig into God's Word as well, according to the Gospel of Mark. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn with me there. We're going to be in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 12, beginning in verse 28 and following through 33, uh, as Jesus is responding to, uh, to a question from uh, some teachers of the law. Uh, if you don't have your Bible with you, you can follow along with the words on the screen. Uh, we're also going to be uh, turning together to uh, a couple other scriptures as we work uh, together to learn more about God's heart for us and his guidance for us according to his word in Mark 12. Uh, let's hear together the word of the Lord. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and that there is no God but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. That is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. This is God's word offered to us together in its reading and in its hearing. So we give thanks together to the Lord God Almighty. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer? Gracious and loving God, what a gift it is to be able to come together around your word and to hear from you. I ask, Lord, that you would shape us and form us by the power of your word and the presence of your Holy Spirit. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear, open our minds that we come to know and understand your word, our hearts that we would feel its power. And I pray, O oh God, that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world in response to your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, happy Mother's Day. It is a beautiful uh, day where we can celebrate uh, the moms in our lives, and I do that mean that quite literally, the moms in, in our lives. Uh, you know, it seems as though on Mother's Day you could find yourself thinking, well, what am I going to do this year again? Uh, you know, it's one of those that comes around, and Megan would tell us that we should get flowers because she believes in the power of flowers. Flowers are nice. Uh, I would say go out to eat uh, because steak is good and it makes it feel kind of like Father's Day as well. Um, <laughs> but that's just selfish of me. Uh, so th there's a book that I grew up reading my kids as a young father uh, and uh, my bigs got it read to them uh, less and less. And I don't even think Sam got it because I have a seven-year gap between my two bigs and my little. And uh, you know how books just kind of deteriorate, the little paper ones, and then they, they lose their way over time. The book is called Are You My Mother? 
Any, any, any recollection of that book, Are You My Mother? Well, well here, here's the gist of it. There's, there's a, a, a bird in a nest up high in a tree, and uh, she's sitting on her egg, and the egg jumps, and she realizes that the, the baby bird is going to come any day now, soon and shortly. And so the, the mom decides, I need to go get food for my baby bird, and so flies out of the nest, goes, looks for food. But this baby, as some babies are known to do, decides that their timing is different than their mom's timing and so the the baby in the egg jumps 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 and the egg cracks and the baby is born but mom is nowhere to be found and the bird looks around for his mother and he looks and searches and sees that he is alone but he wants to find his mother and so he decides he's going to jump out of his nest he thinks maybe he will fly out of his nest but that is unsuccessful he cannot fly he falls out of his nest lands on the ground and then decides I can't fly, but I will walk, and I will walk in search of my mother, and when I find my mother, that will be grand. So he searches for his mother, and do you remember the different interactions that this baby bird has? The baby bird finds a, a, a cat, a hen, a dog, a cow. Yes, we're going to get to the angry snort. You are, you are jumping ahead of the story. But here's the deal. You know, in most situations, you might think that this book jumps the shark because it shifts from uh, 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 animals now to things, and it looks for a boat and a plane and a car, and then it arrives at this backhoe bulldozer big thing, it says, that does nothing but snort as smoke blows out of its pipe above, and so we have the snort, and in every situation... The little baby bird says, are you my mother? Are you my mother? Ultimately, the big snort crane uh, or or, uh, backhoe lifts the baby bird, puts it back up in its nest. Its mom flies back, and then the mom and the baby are united, and they meet. I feel like the book misses an opportunity, though. It misses an opportunity to actually resonate with so much of what we experience in real life life. Because so often we have experiences of love and care that are motherly that come from sources in addition to or sometimes instead of our birth moms. And those are opportunities for, for, for us to, to really celebrate and acknowledge. I mean, what would it have been if the baby bird went and saw the, the hen and the dog and the cat and the cow and, and all of a sudden they gathered around this baby and guided this baby and, and walked and journeyed with and cared for this baby and offered love to this baby even though they looked different and they were different but yet they could experience motherly love there as well. There's a kind of sad moment in the book. Uh, it's when the cow is responding to the bird. The bird says, are you my mother? And the cow says, how can I be? I'm a cow. But we know better than that, don't we? We know better than that because even when we're different than someone else, we can still experience that sort of motherly love. 
I experienced that uh, as I was growing up with, with so many different folks. And some uh, I experienced with really easily, and I don't understand how, you know, I, my, 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 my friends Tim and Phil, like we would just walk into one another's house, and, and I wouldn't say, hey, Tim, or hey, Phil. I'd, I'd just walk in without knocking and be like, hey, Mom, I'm here. You know, and Tim and Phil's mom would be like, hey, Jason. And they'd wrap their arms around me, give me a big old hug, and make sure I had a snack and a, and a Coke. That's where my addiction comes from. Phil's mom always had Coke in the fridge, even when my mom was trying to constrain my addiction habits. But I also had a very difficult time receiving motherly love as well. My parents were divorced whenever I was going into eighth grade. Uh, my dad remarried uh, uh, late in my ninth grade year, my stepmother, Melissa, moved into the house, two stepbrothers, and I rejected her wholeheartedly because I had a, a loving relationship with my mom. And I thought that this could not be, I could not receive this relationship. And, and I was harsh to her and rude to her and cruel to her. And I remember, I remember going off to college and uh, my wife, my now wife, Lauren, and I began dating as sophomores and we came home uh, that spring uh, and, and we knew that we were heading towards marriage. It was one of those like a couple of weeks in and, and this, is, this, is, this is the future. And so I bring her home knowing that this is the woman I want to spend my life with and she meets my mom and she she loves my mom and says, wow, you have a great mom, meets my dad. Wow, you have a great dad. I love your dad. And she meets my stepmom. And I'm like, hey, get ready. She's awful. She's a horde woman. I despise her with all my being. I have no love or care for her. And so get ready. You think I'm joking. This is how I perceived my stepmom. And then I remember... Whenever we got in the car and we were heading back from Missouri City to Shreveport, where we went to college, I had a four and a half hour trip where my soon-to-be bride spent the entire trip telling me how dumb I am. She said, Melissa is lovely. She is so caring. She loves you so much and loves you with a mother's love. And you have rejected it. Get your act straight. And so I received that. And now I've been able to turn over the course of a few years and then uh, decades since of deep felt appreciation for a mother's love that went beyond and was outside of what I thought was possible. I thought we are too different. You are not from my family. I encounter you and I don't see a way. And yet God made a way in her and through her and later in me. So I want you this day to, to think about your moms. Uh, if you have a loving relationship with your birth mother, I want you to to thank God for her. And I want you to bless her today in some way, shape, or form, whether it be steak or uh, flowers, okay? I want you to bless her. But I also want to invite you to ask that little bird's question. Are 
you my mother. Who? Who is my mother? And as you ask that question, those women in your lives, whether they be aunts or grandmothers or friends or matriarchs or significant women of mentorship in your life, bless them as well today. That question and that expansion of, uh, of, of the question is deeply connected to the question that comes forth for us in the Gospel of Mark today. We hear this, are you my mother? And I think in the Gospel of Mark, the question that God is inviting us to ask today is, are you my neighbor? Are you my neighbor? Who is my neighbor. We, we could hear this scripture, and, and if we haven't been confronted with that question before, we're, we're certainly going to be confronted with that question at some point in our lives. If we hear Jesus speak to, uh, to us that the second commandment is to love your neighbor, we must ask, who is our neighbor? And when we ask that question, I believe that this broken open gospel expansion is a part of the invitation for us this day as well, and... I could prove it. So whenever Jesus is there with the, uh, in the temple, he is having all of these interactions. And it's so funny when you read Mark's gospel because it's like the who's who of the opposition is coming at Jesus with questions of interview. It starts with the Pharisees and then the Herodians and then the Sadducees. And then we arrive here at this morning's text where the teachers of the law, I want you to think the legal scholars, the the, the I know it all people. They come to Jesus because they heard that he answered these other questions well. And when they come to Jesus, they then have their own way of coming about uh, uh, a complex issue and inviting Jesus into what otherwise would seem like an impossible task. I mean, imagine it for us. If someone would come to us and say, Out of the whole of the law, out of all of the Torah, and including Leviticus and Deuteronomy, out of all of it, what is the greatest commandment? You would think maybe it's a trick question. You would think maybe like, oh, I know that God gave ten commandments. They were written on tablets. They were put in the Ark of the Covenant. And so since there are ten commandments and they're all in the Ark of the Covenant, I cannot break open or divide out. I can't lift up one. This is a trick question. I will answer E, none of the above, right? Or maybe we would think, well, this is an impossible task because there are so many I have tried to read the Bible before, you might be saying. And I began in Genesis with great energy and fervor. I read Exodus with good intention. And then I got to the grind of the Torah. And I worked through Numbers and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And I quit. Because it's law after law after law after law after lineage after lineage after lineage after lineage. And so... Your great intentions of Bible scholarship went to die. So the question is a substantial one and a challenging one, and one that Jesus doesn't take lightly, but Jesus is clear on. This teacher of the law says, which is the greatest commandment? And he says this, 
The first and greatest commandment is that the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And, and, and we might think, wow, Jesus is so articulate. He is so smart. I, I could have never answered that question. Jesus is a creative. He, 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 he just created that answer out of nothingness. False. False. Jesus knew the law, knew the law, deeply knew the law well. And, and he's pointing to a specific passage called the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. And he's, he's giving a quote, a, a reciting of the Shema. And this is something that would have been well known throughout Jewish culture. It was something that, that you were to teach your children, that generations upon generations would know this, that you were to write it on your doorstep, that it would to be on your heart. This, this is something that is to be intentionally developed as a, a call upon your life day by day. And so that might have been the easier part of his answer. But he, Jesus is not an underachiever. He doesn't just do the minimum, right? He's asked which is the greatest. He gives the greatest. And then he wants bonus points on the test. Now, I know some of you in high school in this room, you'll get a test. And at the very end, there are a couple of bonus questions at the end. You don't really know the answer because you don't care to know the answer. So you just circle C and maybe you get bonus. Jesus does not uh, take a half way mark on this. No, he says, I'm going to name the second as well. And the second is like, I think that's interesting, like the first. Love God. And then he says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, to start with, where did Jesus bring that forth from? If he tapped into Deuteronomy chapter 6 for the greatest commandment, then we should, look at, uh, we should look at where he got that from. Is it sourced out of Scripture, or did he create that on the fly? It is indeed sourced out of Scripture. And we don't talk about that sourcing enough, mostly because whenever we hear uh, about where this reference is, we, we shudder because it's from the book of the Bible that we uh, have uh, the, the least uh, relationship with, because it is all the laws, the book of Leviticus. And so if you have your Bible still with you, I invite you to turn with me to Leviticus chapter 19. And uh, I believe that Jesus is both quoting and then, and then offering that broad-based, breaking open expansion of the teaching for us, also in Leviticus 19, if we would just take the time to understand what he's pointing to. Leviticus 19, the reference starts in verse 18. It'll be on the screen. Do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Now, that's a, that's a drop line. We've been experiencing, as we walk through Leviticus 19, a number of laws that seem quite reminiscent of the Ten Commandments. Uh, do not steal, do not lie, do not deceive one another in verse 11. Also in verse 3, it says, uh, honor your father and mother, observe the Sabbath. Okay, so now we're, we're kind of building. We know uh, the, the sorts of laws that are being articulated. But then it, it shifts and moves to the ways in which we relate to one another and how critical it is that we are loving 
people. Not just any kind of love, but the, the, the same way we love ourselves. And he says, love your neighbor. God says, love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. The passage continues on. And when we get to Leviticus 33 and 34, we hear another turn uh, that, that is echoing in the ears of the teachers of the law and those that are listening who know the law as well. Verse 33 says, When a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as a native-born. Love them as yourself. For you were foreigners in Egypt. I am the Lord your God. When Jesus is referring to love your neighbor as yourself... You also hear in, uh, in this passage, love the foreigner as yourself. And it's not that Jesus was saying, uh, don't love the foreigner as yourself, love your neighbor as yourself. He was saying, love your neighbor as yourself. And he was beginning for us the answer to the question, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Not just those like you, not just those that it's easy with, but also the foreigners, those that are not like you, those that you do not know well, those that it is more difficult with. Break open the gospel and love people. Love people as yourself. Now that part can be really hard for a lot of us. And, and it seems as though this is, uh, this is a growing uh, challenge in our culture today that has been exacerbated by the isolation experienced and the, and the anxiety experienced during COVID-19. This, this love as you love yourself, how difficult is it for so many of us to love ourselves? Self-loathing is on the rise. Self-hatred is increasing. So much so that there's probably an entire sermon series or year-long sermon series that could be dedicated to the matter. And, and, and so what I'm about to do is all too brief but I want to be sure that if we're hearing love your neighbor as yourself, we're taking enough time to describe what that kind of love looks like, the loving yourself kind of love, so that it could be appropriately applied to our neighbors and then broken open by the expansion of the gospel. Are you with me? So loving yourself, what is that supposed to look, look like? Well, to start with, it's, it's to... Love through caring for your well-being, your health, your, your eating, your drinking, your shelter, your clothing, your day-to-day -day needs. Give us this day our daily bread, the well-being of our day-to-day -day lives being cared for. And for some of us, that might be an easy first step. Others, you know of or you have been there can find that deeply challenging to care for the day-to-day -day needs that you have. 
but it doesn't end at well-being. Loving yourself is also about being purpose-filled, knowing that God has a purpose for your life. God has designed you with the capacity for great good in the world, and you are not misdirected or misguided, but rather God can guide you to purpose in your life, and you can experience that that deep-seated fulfillment that comes when you have experienced that satisfaction. God has purpose for you. And to love ourselves is to seek out that purpose, to be driven by that purpose, and to live in the gratifying existence that that purpose fulfills. Well-being, purpose-filled, relationship rich. Not, not stuff rich, not luxury rich, not, not rich in things, but rich in relationships. To love yourself means that you are entering into relationships that bless and care for and, and, and wash over, over, over again in wonderful ways, enhancing your experience of life in this world. Those relationships might start in your home and then expand in your community and they go forth into your workplaces and so on and so forth. All around you, those relationships are opportunities to love yourself. What a gift these relationships are, can be, and need to be for us to love ourselves. And finally, we experience love in Jesus. And whenever we receive that love in Jesus, that then invites us out into the world to share the love of Jesus with others. And when we share the love of Jesus with others, we're, we're experiencing how much we love ourselves. We love ourselves so much so that we would share that offering of grace that we have received to others. And so I know it might be a challenge for you this day to love yourself. But that has to be a starting point so that we could also love our neighbors it means that we're going to care for our well-being. We're going to be purpose-filled. We're going to be relationship-rich. And we're going to experience the love we have in Jesus. So then we can offer that to the world. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the foreigner as yourself. What is it for that gospel message to be broken open? Many of us uh, moved from inner city situations to the suburbs, maybe to a bubble of sorts. You heard of Disney Woods, i.e. the woodlands, uh, or, or nearby. You know, you, you're close enough to experience the, the, the joys of the bubble, and you think that the bubble kind of expands a little bit beyond. But here's what happened that, we, that most of us didn't intend. We, we became uh, isolated from one another. We built bubbles within bubbles, and, and we got so busy and so full of ourselves and our own lives that we then constrained our activities to our backyard 
yards. And I, I pray a blessing of gratitude upon you if you live in a community that's front yard living and interconnected. But if you feel like you are isolated in even in your own community, I want you to feel like this compelling sense, just like the baby bird did, of where is my neighbor? I need to seek out my neighbor. I need to find my neighbor. I need to break out of my bubbles that I've created on my own, and I need to enter into relationship. And, and maybe maybe this is what we could do. What if we went and knocked on the neighbor's door, and, 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 and in so doing, we're asking ourselves, is this my neighbor? But what if they don't speak the same language as you do? What if they speak Spanish and they're from Venezuela or, or Colombia or, or Mexico? Does that mean they're not my neighbor? No. Jesus has broken open the gospel so that we can understand that it extends to everyone. This love is not just for us or those that look like us, but it's for everyone. Or what if we went maybe a couple of streets down or a couple of blocks down or a couple of minutes down and we entered into a community where uh, where the homes didn't look like ours. Maybe the homes were a lot bigger or maybe they were a lot smaller. And you, you thought to yourself, what, what if the person in there were to answer the door and I would, was to ask myself, is this my neighbor? And there would be something within you that would think that there's some sort of dividing wall between you, some sort of stumbling block that's distancing you from this person. Uh, and, and maybe it's socioeconomic, but Christ has broken that wall down and invited us to understand that they are, all, are our neighbors as well. We have neighbors next door, 10 minutes away, 20 minutes away, and even around the world. One of my favorite things to do is to go on an international mission trip because oftentimes the community that goes ends up feeling as though they are bringing a gift to someone else, but then they realize that they are one in Christ with each other, that these are brothers and sisters. They are our neighbors. Jesus has called covenant to build a community connecting in Christ. And this community that, that we live in, that we serve in, is our mission. Build a community connecting in Christ. My prayer is that the way in which you and I love throughout this community makes such a vast difference that this community would be unique. Actually, not so unique. Because this is the church of Jesus Christ's mission in every community throughout the world. But for us here, may our love be so contagious and so vast that it blesses this community and we all would celebrate in the success of this mission to build a community connecting in Christ. Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you for, for this gospel message, for this gift of love and grace that we have in your son, Jesus Christ, and that he calls us to love you, and we do, Lord. We love you with our whole hearts. We love you with our minds. We love you with our strength. We love you with all that we are and all that we have. Lord, we love you. We offer our whole 
applies to you. And in so doing, we know that you love your children. These are our brothers and sisters in Christ, near and far throughout this community and beyond. So we pray, oh God, that you would, that, that you would give us the strength and the desire to love others as you love us. Lord, I thank you for this gospel message and for what it means for the community we live in. Bless us in this work and in this endeavor.